Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey Wonder Faces, I'm going to be nips out here and admit that this is my personal favourite episode for a while actually. It was impossible to edit because our conversation just rolled on and on and on like a river with no gaps, um, except for, for big lovely laughs. I'm talking to an extraordinary author called Rose Ruane. I've literally just finished her book this week, it officially came out yesterday and oh god it's so good, it's so beautifully, beautifully written. It's non-fiction, it's a story. It's big, dense sea of beauty in the writing. And the these characters in it and their stories just wrap all around you like the most amazing sort of gentle vines. And then by the last few chapters, I found I had to heave and sob my way to the very end of it, even though I was on a very busy train. Blubbed, blubbed my way to the end and over the finish line. I'm not just saying it because um, Rose is my friend. This is a really, really excellent book. Give it to your brain and heart to eat up. Um, uh, she's called Rose Ruane and the book is called This Is Yesterday. So anyway, this week's episode was a nightmare to edit down to length because Rose's company is so fiercely excellent. Um, and so it's, it's a bit of a bumper size one this week. Um, but there's also there was enough left over that there will either be a whole extra mini episode or at the very least a very, very brilliant set of uh, outtakes for my patrons 
um, coming in the next few months. Uh, if you don't know what being a patron is, go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. And um, you'll see uh, on there the stuff I swap. So loads of extra content, mini episodes, um, outtakes from the scraps bin for people at five and ten dollar tiers. Everybody gets guest recipes and at above a certain tier gets discounts to live shows. For example, we get 30 percent off the next live show, which is at 3 p.m. on Saturday, 23rd of November in Thursk as part of the Podcast Social Club. Go to podcastsocialclub.com for tickets and go to Patreon. Uh, forward slash the hoovering pod for your discount code i am on tour as a stand-up my show hench is at the soho theater through all of january um it's selling really beautifully but there's still plenty of tickets for weeknights um it's not on sundays but mondays tuesdays wednesdays are still but but loads of bums left to go on the seats please may they be your bums um, and the busy, the weekends are still tickets as well. They're just much busier already. Um, and then from the 1st of February, I'm on tour with that show for all around the UK and well beyond. More tickets going on sale all the time just this week. I've put on sale Liverpool, Birmingham, Poole in Dorset, where I'm from. That's where I'm going to end the tour. Um, Birmingham's a massive venue. Please come. Liverpool's just gone. So yeah, where else? I think that's it. In the last few days, with stuff's getting added all the time. The very first date in Bristol on the 1st of February is sold out. So I'm really hoping, um, I'll be able to add another date there for Bristol because that's sold out so fast. I'm in Leicester on the 9th. I'm doing a work in progress and a hench and a hoovering live, but that's not on sale yet. There's so much going on. There's so much going on. Come come and see the Shmai Show hench, please, is what I'm w- what, saying in a waffling way. All the tickets for the Soho and the tour are all on my website, jessicafostercue.com, and they go to the My Doings bit. Right, that'll do. Let's get into it. We're in Rose's badass, beautiful home in Deniston in Glasgow, and I've brought some locally grabbed baked goods for us to scoff. Okay, so I've got some food from two places near... We're in Deniston in Glasgow. Yeah, that's right. And I've got stuff from Tapper and from... uh, And and a vegan empire biscuit from... Where's it? Where's it? Where's it begin with M? Mesa. Mesa, Mesa. Mesa, I'm never sure whether it's Mesa or Mesa. Incredible. Both... Such lovely foodie places. So there's a cinnamon swirl bun, somehow vegan. I've just tried to get vegan things. So I think it's really interesting to see what people do with it. But you're not one, are you? No, but mm. I definitely am in that kind of zone of arseholes, of which we are many, where you're like, I'm not vegan and I'm not even vegetarian, but I do really try not to eat meat. But um, like, <laughs> I've sort of reached a place where I feel like I can't name it in yeah. any way that like either creates a discipline for me yeah or it gives me like enjoyable smug feelings because I'm quite <laughs> greedy and so I really try to keep dairy to a minimum yeah and even more so meat yeah um but I am a big greedy fuck, and if something <laughs> looks really tasty, I just yeah. can't guarantee that I won't Not submit to the urge to. Yeah. yeah, I just um, earlier in the Mesa place, Mesa Mesa, um, round the corner they do brunches, and on their brunch menus, like a grilled peach and burrata on sourdough. <sighs> And um, I had probably nearly a year of being a relatively close to a real vegan. Yeah. But I had a real flashback to, you know, when you get like your whole foundations rocked by a memory where you're like, 
I don't think I was ever a very good vegan. Oh, this podcast, anyone who's listened to this podcast from the beginning will have seen a very steep <laughs> decline in moral in moral fibre from me. <laughs> but, um, but I remember even even at peak veganism or closeness to veganism for me, whenever I went to this place called Mama Do in Ladywell, which is like a really lovely little pizza place, they just do a starter that's just one great big fat motherfucking burrata just on oh, some rocket, just with salt and pepper. But it's just the most incredible tasting creamy thing you've ever... I mean, it's... It's another level, isn't it, when that's done right? I had and a physical I, response to that. You, that yeah. was like, boy, do like sexual, but also a bit like a dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I find when people are talking about food they really love, my mouth waters. Oh, I totally. Yeah. I feel like a lot of bits of me dribble. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's very connected, right? The kind of, I don't know, the upstairs and the downstairs of enjoyment of food. I think so. <laughs> I know from listening back. I know from listening back to these podcasts and some of the n- noises I've <laughs> made with complete strangers. <laughs> when we're talking about food, they just be like, oh. <laughs> oh. "Okay, okay, it's embarrassing." My, my mum listens to this, um, but I think there is a really tricky thing there, right from the start. Where, like, I think we talked about this once before, kind of glancingly. I think when we were talking mm. about the Elena Ferrante oh, yeah. novels and how well she writes about female shame and I think that actually food and eating are the first kind of place in which women realize that your desires can be like excessive yeah and that your desires can be judged and that like you and your body can have unseemly appetites I don't think the two are ever like entirely unlinked because it's the first time you as a woman can learn that there are like ways that you want to satisfy your body and to mm. enjoy things like openly and yeah. sensuously, like you know, way before you're sexualized, but where you are like, of course, like messy, delightful, loud, sensu- yeah, yeah, loud, wet, messy, like sloppy enjoyment yeah. of things can be considered something that like you should tamp down because yeah. it kind of speaks about an unseemly appetite or like a a greed or that you're enjoying things in a way that's kind of I don't know it's the first time an animal thing that you are required as a lady to have you know composed yourself to be above yeah, but to moderate it, yeah. your feral yeah. desires and that actually, you know, that's In not... a way that's kind of celebrated when a man can't quite manage. Like, you know, it's part of manliness to be like, <laughs> in eating and all things. Yeah, and also, like, so, I don't know, there's that thing, isn't there, where, like, some people of the older generation, like, at a family meal, like, give penis portions to the men, where yes! like, they dish up, like, super unequally, where they're a bit like, oh, you're a growing boy, you've probably been working in a field or whatever, and you're like, that person's a systems analyst, and <laughs> it's the weekend, and I've seen him sit on his eyes. He's just like, watched four hours of sport while yeah. you sweated making that food. You were like, I've He's been to the gym. analyst. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true but also have you ever had the opposite I've had the opposite in lots of familial situations where <laughs> people will be being dished up and the people that know me well will serve me the most enormous <laughs> plate and you'll be like yeah alright thank you thanks very much <laughs> oh no fucking Johnny two portions <laughs> it's gonna have all of that and probably some more yeah and then but then that's on you to be like own it own it don't feel shame 
Okay. Oh yeah, Please. absolutely. I wanted the big boys portion. Absolutely, I did. Yeah. Can't moan about the first thing without being able to own the second thing if it flips the other way. I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's really hard, isn't it? Of that thing of like, well, I suppose any, again, like any female desire. Yeah. Like it's uh, very legitimate for people to comment on yes. the kind of manifestations of your desire and to be like too much, not enough, or like. Oh, you're you're mad for food. You'll t- you'll take two portions. Oh, you're mad for cock, aren't you? You, you know, yeah, like, yeah, I feel yeah. like they're all things that people feel very comfortable I've to make comments on. I've never thought about that. I think it's fascinating the link between. I think people often link sex and eating in the sense that how you eat is meant to be how you fuck. But I, I think that's there's. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I'm sure there's an element of truth in some respect, but I don't think it's like the 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 blanket thing that you can say but the yeah the desire the insatiability the the bigness also the control over the choice making they're in, so intrinsically linked and i think when it comes to eating as well sometimes people um not necessarily out of cruelty sometimes out of kindness can pre pre-assume other people's judgments i remember I remember shortly after i'd had my kid going, eating a meal with my mum and stepdad and sister and probably Nana and a few other people down there and probably eating quite fast and, you know, being really hungry and then helping myself to more. And as I was helping myself to more, which is what you're free to do in that situation, it's like a lovely, happy, safe meal together. Um, My mum sort of to the rest of the table saying, it's because she's breastfeeding, she's um, just so hungry because she's breastfeeding. And it was like, okay. Were you assuming other people were kind of thinking a thing but not saying it there? Oh, yeah, you're presupposing yeah. a judgment. Yes, you like, are, yeah. Because I wasn't, but I am now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, nothing makes you feel judged like someone spontaneously compensate, like covering yeah. your shame yeah. for you, where you're a bit like, oh, I wasn't... I wasn't aware that there was a performative element or like a spectatorship yeah. element. I was totally relaxed. And now that you've like covered my shame or compensated, I realise we're in a judgy space. Yeah. Oof. Um, so at some point near the start of these podcasts at the moment, I'm trying to ask if you've eaten anything particularly spectacular or diabolical in the last few weeks of, of note. Oh, interesting. Have I eaten anything do you cook so yesterday the food we ate here was so extraordinary it was so so delicious and innovative and everything had so much it was it was powerful we had like a a, what was it a butter masala paneer paneer butter masala what else did we have a mango salad with two different types of chili and one mild one badass (laughs) uh raita Mm. over those amazing roast the like, surprisingly s- muscular lettuce the incredibly fierce lettuce hench lettuce oh hench lettuce and, I um, love it. and then there was another curry of spinach and peas oh and fenugreek oh the, the fenugreek. fenugreek one also fenugreek that is deeply persistent i really yeah. i've washed and i smell i'm exuding like, fenugreek today i quite like it though i'm quite enjoy yeah. i quite enjoy it when i've got a spicy bo i love waking up smelling of the, yesterday's curry i constantly wet and re-wet my own appetite when i have spicy <laughs> so yeah it feels like <laughs> the purest form of self-love <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> the only thing i've got that's similarly perverse to admit to is um there are two things where if i get burps afterwards it makes me want to eat it again and again and again Again, oh. um, they both involve stuff I don't eat anymore, but Wagamama's yaki udon. 
Mm-hmm. The burps after that are a thing of joy. I think um, pickled ginger does something extraordinary to a burp. Oh, it does. It's all kind of fizzy. It feels yeah. it's like the champagne of burps. It's all fermented and fizzy and delicious. Yes, you've kombuchaed your... Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> self-kombuchaed. Self-kombuchaed. Not just my gut. My whole soul has been cleansed by this and is free and easy now. And... Uh, and I haven't had one for years now, but a bacon double cheeseburger from Burger King. Oh. Something very distinctive about and joyful about the burps from that. Joyful and persistent. Yes, and persistent. Sometimes, you know, you can go, like, much like Fenugreek, you can go for a sleep and wake up and stuff's still going on. Oh, yeah, it's still happening. It's still got a half-life, hasn't it? <laughs> it's like a positive Chernobyl vibe. Happening. <laughs> Happening in all your important places. <clears throat> it also made me think of a really crass anecdote that still makes yes, me laugh. That uh, a guy I was friendly with for art school once told me a story about when he worked in Asda and uh, it was really quiet. And so he let go of Fart at his <laughs> checkout, which obviously Fart Voodoo immediately, like three people came and started putting stuff <laughs> on voodoo. the conveyor belt. And then he was like, just really weird. He did a fart that smelt perfectly of toast <laughs> like not of shitty toast or like or goffy toast. toast just also just wow. authentically of quite nice toast really nice. and the woman that came to us still was like oh someone's <laughs> making toast oh i'm gonna have some when i get in <laughs> and like he's farted that's He'd I've farted never, someone heard, into an appetite. Yeah, he'd farted someone peckish. Yeah. And that is, <laughs> that is a superpower. It's not a superpower that anyone's ever thought of. If you said if you could have any superpower, what would it be? But the idea to <laughs> fart someone hungry. Because oh, that, come the apocalypse, is a great skill, I think. Also, I feel like you could throw people off yeah. your track, couldn't you? You could fart them peckish in a way that's like, oh, there's a McDonald's drive through over there. <laughs> yeah. While you like it to the actual supermarket and ransack the shelves in a post-apocalyptic yes, scenario. so true. And you'd have extraordinary power over dogs. Oh, imagine. Animals generally, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you'd have extraordinary power over, like, animals that have heightened sense of smell and women like me. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? What a prime hunk, what a catch. <laughs> If you could snare the other human being in the world that could fight you package at any time. Oh, fuck. Um, but so the question in terms of the diabolical or, or, or exceptional thing that you've eaten in the last week or two feels cruel in the sense that I feel like yesterday was exquisite. It's the best thing I've eaten in weeks. So the food that you made for us. So... Uh, I mean, is that how you'd eat of a Sunday or even a school night? Um, Do you enjoy putting that much love into stuff? I really enjoy putting the effort into things, um, but in like a very particular way. So Mm. I don't enjoy that kind of like effortful cookery where you need to bring lots of like disparate things to crescendo. Mm. You know, like there's a proper chefy word for it, isn't it? Like, is that, like, cooking a la minute or... Oh, is there? Probably. I'm a moron. For someone with a podcast about eating, I'm a moron about stuff like that. There probably is. I mean, I feel like I've probably just insulted the French and chefs by saying that. Fuck those guys. (laughs) Neither neither groups of people known for their humility, Rose, so I think we've punched up and it's fine. 
All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Inadvertently spoken truth to power. Yes. <laughs> Very woke bullying. Shonky <laughs> pronunciation of something that's probably not even the word for it. But I, th- I don't enjoy those things, you know, where you're trying to get like a piece of meat or a fish right. and some vegetables and they're all covered. I like really enjoy lots of big pots. Yes, of yes. things that you can just jam spoons yeah. into and yeah. be like, go. Yeah. And preferably like premeditate them a bit. Yeah. Like my ideal is something like I did yesterday where like I pottered mm. all morning and I like the sort of like vaguely alchemical element of cooking curries and things like just mm. that balance of like what you put in to start with and how the spices develop and you know returning to it and having a bit of a prod and a yeah. sprinkle i'm a meddler i'm a meddler God, which is amazing. fine it's fine if it's fine if you're doing that yeah i can't like the spo- the spoony bastards and the plan first the sniffers like when you're cooking and someone comes in like, oh no 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 oh. A spoony bastard, by which you mean somebody who comes in and puts a spoon into something you're cooking before it's finished. Yeah, and has like a bit of a like sceptical taste, a little sceptical lap. How can anybody have that person in their home? You can't have that. You can't have that. I mean, that's not on. One of my relatives does an amazing thing where like we had a discussion about how that's the most annoying thing in the world and now yeah. if I'm cooking she deliberately comes and sticks her face oh, as a right joke. into the pot that's as a funny. joke and does the sort of yeah. wafty hands <laughs> that you only do again fights very I'm so coarse I don't, like how have I made a podcast about food and eating into a podcast about farting and oh, shitting I mean if it makes you feel better that happens approximately 80% of the time I mean, it's all, like, it's all it, part the, of the Again, it's, all it's part intrinsically of linked. Exactly. Yeah. What goes in must come out. Oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah, fuck. So this cinnamon swirl thing. So I'll be honest, I've been given and or bought variations on vegan versions of this mm-hmm. cinnamon swirl thing. And always the dough has been like a, a bit like bread and a bit hard and... This is fit. This is perfect. This is delicious. In my mind, there's nothing... You, there'd been, if I didn't know it was vegan, I wouldn't know it was vegan. Well, and it's got that, like, lovely, squelchy, like, the mm. threads of dough in it that mm. feel, like... feels relaxed. Yeah, it's mm. really relaxed and airy, and the ice and sugar's fucking lush, and there's so much cinnamon. They haven't fucked about. Or mixed spice, maybe a bit of mixed spice in there, do you think? Mm, I wonder if there's like a little bit of allspice or it or mm, not. Allspice, that's the that's mm. the fucker. That's what I was thinking of. Um, mm. But yeah, also they've not been shy with the cinnamon because that's quite disappointing yeah. when you go for something cinnamon or ginger and it's like a sort of memory, like a homeopathic quantity. It's like a memory of <laughs> the concept ginger. of cinnamon. Yeah. yeah, a whisper of the that, idea of cinnamon. Excuse me, I spent some of my adult life smoking heavily. Can you please put quite a lot in? Yeah, I mean, I have the palette of a sandal <laughs> from, like, having smoked since I was 16. You have to turn it up. <laughs> the palette of a sandal! Turn it up. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, so I gave up smoking for years in 2013 and loads of really weird things happened to my palette. Like, I suddenly liked white wine. Really? Yeah, I'd never liked white wine. Do you think your body was telling you you needed another vice? <laughs> it's so true. And I also really found the taste of heroin delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Mm. Now I don't smoke. I can really appreciate a good yeah. and a good pop of ketamine. Yeah. Just that smoked Ooh. poppy taste. Also very patriotic poppies. Our brave boys. All good. <laughs> Love it. Um, please may we have a fork to try that one. I think it looks All quite right, wet. little Lloyd Fontheroy. Thanks, mate. Be a bit of a Mariah about it. It just looks, I don't know, it looks a bit wet. Okay, great. It does. The Biscoff, what was it? I'll have to have a look at the photo, see what it was again. You asking for a fork just made me realise what an abject barbarian I am. I would have just found a way to just sort of like pinch off, like nip, weirdly nip off a little bit. I'm so aware that my hands aren't 100% clean. Okay, it's something to do with Biscoff and some sort of chocolate tort. And this guy's an Empire Biscuit. Or a German biscuit. I've got a friend who's a who's a design historian. He gets very annoyed with me. Oh, really? If I mention an empire biscuit, where he's like, the war is over. I'm not sure it is. This was the last time he mentioned it. It was pre-Brexit. But he was saying those were always called, historically, they were called a German biscuit. Until... Like freedom fries, yeah, they became an empire. Oh, really? Like they're a patriotic biscuit, and he—he's so funny. I love finding out shit like that. Well, anyway, that's a vegan one that's apparently mint chocolate flavored. Oh, great! I love a bit of mint chocolate. Yeah, I'm going in for this biscoff thing. The other night, I found myself Mm. having one of those anomalous. Is that good? Mm. Mm. Really peanutty. Mm. Oh, it's peanut butter. Oh. I'm not sure what Biscoff's got to do with it, but the chocolate and peanut combination, that's like... I was like, like, a Snickers has had an extreme glow up. Yeah. It's a Reese's Pieces. Oh, that is amazing. It's an enormous Reese's piece. Yeah, it feels like everything that you want from, like, like hasty one-night stand chocolate. Yeah. Got a lifelong sexy bond with this guy. Yeah. Fuck. That's that's extraordinary. Shit, guys. So this place, Tapper, has excelled itself. And they specialise in bread that they bake in, on the premises. And so I bought a whole fucking loaf of sourdough, <laughs> but I don't really feel like that's the kind of thing you just nibble a piece of on a podcast. Should I make You're toast? You're welcome to. I can't I be fucked. make some toast. I, mean, I can't be fucked. Can you? Not you can just really. It's just bread. sitting there like a crime scene of a yeah. sourdough in a weird body bag <laughs> on the just table. Just bring your loaf of bread, Rose. Um, it's not that I'm not grateful for that. I no, mean, it's fine. And, I just and, wanted uh, to um, get the thing they're known for. Okay, I'm um, eating an empire biscuit with a fork like a cunt. That is insanely probably like that's Buckingham. It's like the poshest thing that's ever happened. Buckingham in Palace levels of right, etiquette. I'm getting my hands in now. Now that I've got a chunk out. Right, I've never had an empire biscuit. What's going on in the middle? Well, that might be the mint bit. I imagine. I would also say. Quite aside from the vet's question of what we call it. Oh, sorry, the German biscuit. That is, uh, I don't give a shit, I'm just reporting what I've been I mean, I really don't want us to leave the European (laughs) Union, so I'm very happy to convert to someone who calls them a German biscuit, but not just going to get me beaten up every time I come to (laughs) Glasgow. Okay, can I have one of, can I decolonise your bakery (laughs) tones and also make it very apparent that I voted Remain? But this is Scotland, we pretty much all voted Remain. Yeah. 
But yeah, this is a hipster empire biscuit. Like mm. a proper empire biscuit mm. is yeah. two sort of sugar sugar cookies. I don't know mm-hmm. why I wanted to call it a sugar cookie as if I was American. A good, honest, plain but nice biscuit. Right. With uh, jam in the middle and mm. then like really old school like sugar and water icing on the top. And then mm. usually like, I mean... Like a, a sort of like nipple of jelly top on the oh, top. Oh, nice. Just one nip of jelly yeah, top. Yeah, just a nip of jelly top. <laughs> Not even a whole nipple, just a teat. Yeah, just just the just the just the teat. Just the big, <laughs> just the business end. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that make me laugh so much? So this just is the business end. Yeah. I mean, this is a so lovely this... looking biscuit, but I think it's neither German nor Empire. I think it's no. a new gen. It's probably something that, as an old person, I, I think... understand it's probably a vaporwave biscuit or a visco biscuit right, yeah. or an e boy biscuit. It's um, like it's trendy as young. fuck and it is very nice, but it, it's the Biscoff that's blown everyone's mind. The Empire biscuit, the vegan Empire biscuits, come from the Mesa place or Mesa, mm. and it's uh, two round bits of thin shortbread with essentially some kind of slightly looser Kendall mint cake in the middle and then some lush chocolate on the top and some 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 of the whatever's in the middle shaved on top of that I think I mean the minty matter is very nice it's not that biscoff thing and the cinnamon thing are fucking extraordinary I definitely I mean that's that biscuit's very nice I think it's a bold move to call it an empire biscuit it's its own thing I think like I I mean I'm a twat so I probably couldn't have resisted the urge to come up with like a fun little snarky name like name your own like do you do you want to why wouldn't you want to like develop your own biscuit name your own biscuit yeah it might be the only thing you leave for posterity in the end is having named a biscuit I feel an extraordinary amount of pressure on me all of a sudden to think of a great name for my biscuit I leave behind though don't you yeah I don't yeah. Feel, I feel like it would need work I mean it deserves work it's not something we're just improvising here and now for sure if it's going to be my monolith if it's going to be my magnum opus I want time yeah. to develop the name okay, for my biscuit fine. okay fine oh god I'm going to stop trying to think of one. <laughs> it's really distracting, isn't it? Now I just um, want to come up with the killer, like, oh, it's so quick, so hilarious, so opposite. Yeah, like, it's not going to no, happen. It's going to end up being called Biscuit McBicky McBickface. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's going to be hot. And I'll, um, get, I'll get sacked from comedy <laughs> and everybody will have to go home. Yeah, um, nobody will ever let me write a book again. Cause they'll be like, she couldn't come up with a name for a biscuit. Couldn't imagine a name for a she biscuit. Couldn't she couldn't imagine a name for her own biscuit to go down in history with. <laughs> I'm well, not going to read her fucking books. Called um, a crunchy nom nom. <laughs> <laughs> I think this picky with big face and crunchy nom nom are probably what we should go for. They would say follow your instincts. <laughs> I know this. It's a crunchy nom nom. Great job, boys. Fun in the room. Listen back. <laughs> Um, you've just written. You have just written a whole fucking novel called "This Is Yesterday," uh, which I'm a few chapters into, and it is blowing my mind. Um, I want to know what eating's like when you're writing a whole book. I ask this because I remember just during some essay writing during you know academia, um, buying a twenty-five bag multi-pack of <laughs> cheap crisps like Tangy Toms and like bacon rashers and onion rings you know those like they they were so potent and glowing and um I'm buying it opening it and working so like the work was coming out of me mm. and sort of 45 minutes in going I'll have a break and realizing that the entire bag was gone 
Oh, and yeah. I'm sort of just surrounded by a crescent of glowing orange and yellow crumbs and empty bags all over the floor. Didn't you have a dental cast as well? Because those corn snacks <laughs> oh, do they give you like a, like a palate plug. Yes. Of like corn Yeah, leg. I probably could have involved myself in some boxing and been fine <laughs> teeth-wise. <laughs> the monster munch mouth goes. Yeah. <laughs> From the corn snacks. Yeah. Oh, see, problem is... When I'm into writing something, yeah. I do what you did with crisps, yeah. with cigarettes. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Which well, is fine. Than booze. I know people who do it with booze, and then you're like, but that's... I mean, the fags and the food aren't doing... Actually, food probably is doing something. That much sugar probably is doing something. But the tabs aren't... Uh, they're not going to be affecting your brain function. I don't know. I mean, I, like, I definitely feel like I'm when I'm writing... <coughs> My nicotine receptors are very greedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like I can feel them pulsing. It's adrenaline, though, isn't it? I think so. I think when it's going well, it's so exhilarating. Yeah. Um, And sometimes uh, that exhilaration turns into, like, a kind of really unhelpful scattiness because, you know, suddenly you have, like, a thousand ideas and they're Mm. all really uselessly equal. Yeah. You know, and you're totally... That um, I think the literary term is like a dog with two dicks. Um, <laughs> about what you may or may not be about to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I did. I found. I found like food's quite important in the book because the you know it's probably about fifty percent set in the nineteen nineties where mm. the protagonist reflecting right. on uh, this very formative summer between. Uh, like at the end of school before she goes to university and she's really realising that like a lot of like, de- you know, she's deeply privileged. Right. The parts where she's an, an adult, uh, she's very aware of that and she's still kind of parsing that and sort of trying to think about how to be like a good human being, a good yeah. adult in the world. But like the sections in the past really find her in that like fairly unquestioned privilege that a lot of middle class people grow up with myself included Mm. where like you know you're sort of like no wonder people who go to like actual who you know who live in mansions and go to like incredibly exclusive private schools are such complete obvious monsters yeah so I think it's it's really easy if you have that kind of privileged very white, middle-class suburban upbringing to be a sort of quiet monster in the sense that, like, you know, you might not have been uh, sort of conditioned to think of yourself as, like, a future leader of the universe slash destroyer of the universe. Or, um, you know, you might not have been inculcated to think that, like, you will necessarily be incredibly wonderful at whatever you do, but you have... It has been inculcated into you that you are, like, in some way the norm or a default position in your whiteness and your privilege now actually like I was really badly bullied and I was sort of like one of the only goth kids in my school but you know like had I uh you know washed off my Robert Smith makeup and got rid of my dye job and looked conventional then like I you know my visible outsiderness was like uh, very much the subject of my control. Right, right. Um, but anyway, I think, yeah, there's just that thing, isn't there, of realising that when you grow up in that kind of environment where you're definitely told that you and your kind are the norm. Yeah, yeah. There's a point where you have to start to question that and unpick it. Um, but anyway. Where if you grow up with that and somewhere very undiverse. 
Yeah, where I, I grew did. up was not particularly. No, either. Diver- it sort of grew more diverse over the course of my adolescence. Mm. Um, you know, but I think in general, like, it was a very default white place. Um, and it's sort of eye-bleedingly middle class with all the kind of complacency and judgment yeah, yeah. that tends to come from within that. So so the character definitely lives in that world. She's yeah. probably quite sort of like lower middle class, probably roughly about yeah. where I was, probably a little bit posher than her in some ways. Or yeah. like maybe my family was slightly more affluent than I imagined her family to be. But yeah, I think having like, Whittered off onto something else. Food was really important in that book because I think um, you can tell a lot about a family and the way that, like, they relate to food and yeah. eating, uh, and you know the extent to which they still eat together and what yeah. it is they and all. You know, again, automatically when you write about female characters, there are things you can learn about them and their upbringing and their self-image from how they relate to food yeah um and so there were points uh in the book where i made myself incredibly hungry right right writing about food in quite a nostalgic way because there's a passage early on in the book where the protagonist in the present is in the hospital and her father who already had dementia has now had an accident Mm. and she's meant to be focusing on what the doctor is telling her and her siblings, with whom she has a very difficult relationship, about how the father is, and she just can't stop thinking about food. Right, right, right. And so there's this kind of passage of listing (sighs) really nostalgic food about, like, you know, the whole family sitting down to lasagna, which I guess, uh, you know, I grew up in that kind of, like, 80s Britain where, like, lasagna at one point was incredibly sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. You know, now it's, like, a good family go-to. Like. I think people are like, oh, it's a staple thing, but you forget how fucking much effort goes into a lasagna, guys, if you're making it from scratch. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's fully demanding. It's a, a multi-pound job. Yeah, it's a multi-pound job. Then you've got the assembly of it. You, oh, God. Anyway, I think of lasagnas and I think, fucking massive effort. Yeah, it's a big but, yeah. effort. And, but initially, and initially it was, swanky pants thing to have. Yeah, yeah, it was a dinner party dish. My, my granddad's got um, quite severe dementia, very severe dementia. And um, it's his birthday the other day. And for his birthdays and Christmas, always, forever, I've just got him a Toblerone. Like, <laughs> he's not someone who needs things and hasn't been for the entire time I've known him. You know, he's been yeah. all right for money or whatever. And, you know, he, he used to get him a some fucking sportsman's autobiography, but he'd never read it. Yeah. So it's been a Toblerone for ages. And I bought him his Toblerone for this birthday and thought, I wonder if he'll have any clue this time that why I've got, what a Toblerone is and why I've got him one. Fascinating. And um, did he? Don't know yet. Oh, no, to next week. Yeah. No, later this week, actually. Yeah. I, I didn't want to send an enormous Toblerone in the post to his nursing home. <laughs> just because I was like, it's so obvious what that is. That is prime to get nicked, isn't it? Who's oh, gonna, totally. Yeah, there's no way. If, <laughs> if a hungry postie... Yeah. <laughs> also, that parcel. They're not going to be like. Mm. I mean, yeah. what else is it going to yeah. be? I mean, like a prism. Yeah, like a, a big scientific prism. We used to go. I mean, I used to go out of my way to disguise it within other packaging. So oh, like, oh nice. maybe something else. Looks like I've got. Maybe I've got him a piece of clothing this year. No, it's just a Toblerone wrapped in shit. Yeah, not shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're a naughty family, but we're not that disgusting. Um, also, I had a situation a while ago where, like. 
for the first time ever in my adult life, I bought myself a toddler own on yes. a whim and felt like I'd gone fucking seriously mental where I was like, nobody buys themselves a toddler own. <laughs> like you get toddler own as a gift. I've never bought a toddler. Oh, I buy my- myself a lot of toddler owns. Oh, I don't see. I've only ever, like my grand used to bring them back from holiday. Yes. they are. I don't buy them. I wouldn't buy them. I don't think I just buy them in life, but on a holiday. Oh no, it, that's different. But yeah. I just, on a whim, in the local supermarket, yeah. bought a toddler own, and I was momentarily worried that it was the start of a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> and like, don't get me wrong, my like, did you feel like you bought yourself an expensive candle or like? I yeah, know, yeah, where it like suddenly been like, I deserve Prada. I can't afford it, but I'm gonna have it. <laughs> I, I, I feel like my psychologically, my coat was probably <laughs> on a sugarly peg anyway. <laughs> but this, like, where I was just like, what well, next? It will be a chocolate orange. I'll just buy myself a chocolate orange or a box of matchmakers, or maybe I'll just get out like not and not in like a body shamey, no, 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 way, no, no, just no. In it's a just like, this is a really like, inappropriate thing to, to get yeah, to, just going to buy down. It's isn't it funny when there's like you didn't no idea there was a rule about a thing until you break it. Yeah, and then yeah. suddenly it feels like there are no rules in the whole world, and it's really destabilizing. Like we are like nobody's ever gone being like oh, I'm going to buy myself a presentation pack of bath pearls. <laughs> I felt like I'd done something like that. <laughs> That's the perfect example. Like a little basket of shell-shaped soap on some shredded paper. It felt like I'd just treated myself to something so superfluous and clearly gift-based that it made me feel quite mentally ill for a bit. I really like it. Mmm. Delicious. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Okay, we're talking of mentally ill. I ask everyone, but you don't have to answer it. But like, um, I know you have some history with disordered eating. You up for talking about that? Oh, the old fun disordered eating. Yes, please. (laughs) Well, I think it's it's a really tricky thing, isn't it? Because I think naturally when you reflect on where and when and how, like what was the mechanism through which you developed Mm -hmm. like a difficult uh, relationship with eating? Yeah. 
like it nearly always involves your parents. Yeah. And it's really hard to respect your own need and right to pause that without wanting to sort of judge your parents harshly or feel like you're critiquing them in some way that would be painful yeah. for them. So also what I would say is I split it up into like, I think I have a really lovely, enriching, healthy attitude to cooking. Beautiful. Which I always have had because I grew up in a house where my mum cooked a lot. She was a good cook. Her and my dad have a very like old school gendered relationship. He like is definitely in the zone of like older men who literally could fuck up boiling an egg. Yeah. Um, I'm not sh- like, I'm not sure I've ever seen him even make toast. That granddad who I spoke about, Gordy, who I get the Toblerone for, once tried to fry a pork pie. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's some hipster kind of like, dirty eating, oh, delicious, filthy food, which again, like that's, you know, that's something that I don't think helps us, is that idea of like, junk food and dirty food yeah. and like, Oh God, you know, yeah, yeah, calling it filth. You're like, well, yeah. it's, it's nutritionally different to a salad, but yeah, we're, we're putting a... We're putting a moral value on it there, aren't we? Yeah, like, you know, it's really high, you know, it's so instilled in everyone, particularly women, mm-hmm. that there's like a spurious moral mm-hmm. element to food and abstinence from food. Um, and I also think it's really horrible when you think about in terms of like food poverty. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are driven by, you know, by financial poverty, which inevitably becomes food poverty and stuff that like is, you know, nutritionally not ideal. Yeah. To be in it that processed or whatever, yeah. You know, but the fact that that's widely accepted as junk food, like, what are you saying to the people who consume it? They're yeah, you're, you're calling them, but you're telling them that they're bins. Yeah, you know, you're you're uh, already talking to people who are left behind by society as if they're kind of like some kind of receptacle for waste. I find that really depressing. Yeah, um, Grace Dent writes about sort of processed food and. Filthy, dirty food and class very beautifully. Oh, about, I think she's wonderful. Yeah. I think her writing about it's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also that awful thing is women where we're like taught to do that, like, so cheap, the cheeky naughty wine or the cheeky Ooh, naughty guy. What a little treat. How, how sinful. Oh, I like, know. Mm, little oh, no, devil is. It's all on all the advertising for it as well, isn't it? Like, sneaky little devil is. Like, <laughs> Oh, so cheeky, so naughty. Oh, I shouldn't, but I will. The little cake, the cheeky, naughty cake. And yeah, it's just a fucking cake. Like, know what choice you're making. Yeah. And give yourself peace about it. Like, not shut the fuck up to the world. Just, like, shut the fuck up to yourself. Yeah, yeah, Give yourself a cunting break. Yeah. I think it's really hard with the parents thing to come back to that as the root of disordered eating or, or eating disorders. Because it's indetachable in the sense that Everything about us is indetachable from how we were brought up. It, but it doesn't mean... It's very, very rarely an issue of intention. No, you know, yeah. and I think it's really hard as well because, like, the world loves judging mothers. Yes. I mean, the world bloody loves judging the shit out of women anyway, but, like, yeah. mothers in particular yeah. are so judged. And I think what happens... So, I like, I grew up eating a very restricted diet that I now think would sort of be you know again now that we live in like in some quarters a kind of more empathetic more progressive world where we develop like a supportive yes caring language for things mm. there's a con- like there's a it's called ARFID like uh, what is it avoidant 
restricted food intake disorder. So I think, you know, and it quite often is a mental health condition. It's often comorbid with autism because of like a fear of textures Uh or choking or like an inability to handle like the excessive stimulation of a strong flavour. Right. And I think, so I I think without judging my mum, I think I was probably... I think a lot to do so the few foods that I don't like as an adult because I now eat really broadly mm. and voraciously until I feel really sad or shit at which yeah, point yeah, yeah, like yeah. a lifelong of disordered eating comes back in and immediately like my body and my food intake becomes the space of control yes yeah, yeah, yeah. now after years of therapy actually it's really funny, I was describing this to someone recently where like it floats in a strange bubble because it's no longer attached to my body. I've never had such a great relationship to my own body. So don't feel like the disgust and shame yes. and guilt about weight or food. Mm. But I do have disgust and shame about like weakness and control yes so it never makes me hate my body and it never makes me do any of the like really sad dismaying stuff that i did for years where i was like i've just had a pizza so i'm a big fat greasy oily disgusting bitch um so i don't have that relationship with it but it definitely feels emotionally attached to shame and guilt and Mm -hmm. failure um, but I think what happened was when I was a kid, I was probably, you know, being a bit reticent about food. Yeah. And like as someone who, you know, isn't a mother by choice. Mm-hmm. So I always say I'm childless or childless by choice because I totally respect other people's right to describe themselves as child free. Yeah. I personally don't want to do that because I don't want to imply that children are an encumbrance oh, or, you know, yeah, a yeah. terrible obligation because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's not respectful to... You have, and you haven't met mine yet. <laughs> Maybe I reclaim it. I don't think so. I think he sounds like... I'm joking, Rudy. He sounds like a little legend. I hope I get to meet him. Um, But yeah, I think for me, the language is always childless because I'm comfortable with it as a choice and I prefer not to imply that kids are shit. They're not shit. I just Mm -hmm. really don't want one. I never have. Um, But... You know, I'm very aware that I'm not a parent. I don't know about parenting. But what I can imagine is that, like, if you're, you know, being a mother. Yeah. Like, the idea of your child failing to thrive, of, like, Mm. not being able to feed them is a really hard thing. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. why women are so shamed about, like, if they find that they're unable to breastfeed for any reason, if it's physiological or psychological, whatever it is, you know, people, again, feel like they've got the right to judge that. But I think if your child isn't eating or doesn't want to eat, that must be such a hard thing. Yeah. I didn't like food. I didn't want to eat. And I think there was like, I mean, it's hard to know what you do narrativize these things, don't you? You track these things back and they sort of become an originary story that like whether or not it's like true and correct, if it's helpful, Mm. that's the definition. That's the narrative you have to go with. So my interpretation of it is that I was like basically a picky little fucker. Yeah. Do you think, again, it's tricky. Again, like, there's that thing of, like, we feel, like, really comfortable to comment on Oh, yeah, someone fussy, being fussy is not necessarily, yeah. You know, that that we feel very entitled to make adults feel uncomfortable about that if yes, they do yeah, eat yeah, a yeah. restricted diet or, you yeah. know, they don't like spicy food or they're not mm. very adventurous. 
you know, yeah. we're very like, oh, come on, just try it. Where you're like, you actually don't know what like trauma or yeah. emotional yeah. pain or mental health issue you're transgressing into yeah, when you yeah. do that to someone. Like, we were taking the piss out of you yesterday for not liking fruity ice cream. I don't like fruity ice cream. I've never Which is that totally fair enough. But we t- we sort of teased you in a way where, like, I know you were really cool about it, but I sort of oh, looked at I think it and was yeah, like, bully me for you can tuck in to me for not liking fruity ice cream but a bit of me always also it's thinks, like oh it's still not great though is it to call it you know in a space of enjoyment and relaxation <laughs> to be like why don't you like that go on try it. we made you have a spoonful of ice cream you knew you wouldn't like that wasn't very yeah, nice then also how did i know i don't know well perhaps this is because i have rudy but i genuinely think how do i know? i sat there and thought how do you fucking know you haven't liked it if you haven't tried it you know yes. you talk the fucking talk try it that was my internal thing it was like it's probably been years since I've tried a fruity ice cream. And I'm sure there'll be... I don't, every now and again, I don't mind a sorbet. And that's yeah. a fruity... It's not ice. An ice cream, though. That's yeah. like a nice... It's like a nice... Yeah. Wall, wall, it's a nice water. Yeah, it's a nice it is, solid it? water. A nice solid water. And even then, it needs to be quite citrusy for me to be interested. Yeah, anyway. It's, it's, just, it's, it's the really idea of that kind of pink... A pink ice cream is, no, is very rarely going to... But I'm not like... <laughs> Trauma. I'm just like not, not for me. Not for me. No, I know. But, but I think there so, is that yeah, thing. There is isn't that thing. there? Going, and, like, what if it is some? Or what if you do feel? You know, it's just. Yeah. It's just that thing of going like, oh, but are you making someone feel weird about a thing? Yeah, you know, yesterday's yeah, yeah. not a good example because that was a laugh. But you just never yeah. know when you might be doing I know that. Exactly and you're making what you mean, and especially when it's with a child, and especially when it's you know it's during a formative part of someone and also you like you say you just don't know what shit's going on in someone's life when it comes to eating and when you don't know when you're making someone laugh at something that's actually deeply very not funny yeah 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 for them and, oh, you, and it sure. makes them yeah like yeah yeah a, a prick and it there is was a, um, do you know what you've reminded me of um earlier when you were talking about the straight white man podcasters who just hold themselves back from saying you can't say anything these days there's a comedian that i've had a series of jobs with recently who um uh, i was on a job with and in the audience for the thing that we were recording was my personal trainer his girlfriend and um so i'd made a joke about that mm-hmm. um with the other comedians and um this um comedian said to me and it was absolutely clear what he was trying to get at. What he was trying, he was like, "See, so hang on, you, you've got a personal trainer," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just do weight training for strength, for fun, really, yeah. mainly for my, mainly for my uh, coconut, really, for my head." Yeah. And he was like, "Oh right." And then he, you know, a few hours later, he was like, "So you, I mean, you have got a personal trainer then, have you?" And I was like, "Yep." Yeah. And he's like, "So how often do you?" And I was like, "Once a week, usually. Yeah, but then often I'm away for work. But mm-hmm. want, usually once a week." And I love it, you know, I go maybe between three and five times a week. If, I, if I've got time, I'll go every day. If I had time, I'd go every day. I love it. Um, and like, oh, right, right, right. And then the third one, another hour later was, and it was as far as he took it. And he went, so hang on, you've got a personal trainer, but so do they, do they sort of, in terms of the personal trainer, do they do, they do the eating stuff with you then? And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't let them anywhere fucking near it, mate. No, they don't. I mean, essentially, it was a three-hour, on-the-hour way of a man saying, you don't look like someone who goes to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> And it did. was like, oh, the way that people will dance close to asking the thing they want to ask. He's like but a weird moral sense like, of like... Calling someone out and not liking a thing, it feel, it, uh, it's just reminded me of it in the sense that it really felt exactly like that, the weird, creepy, sort of... 
dance Mark Heap would do in one of his 90s totally. comedy characters. Like, creep, or, or Kevin Eldon, like, creepy crawling up around you to be like... Bleh, 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 bleh. It is, but it's like, oh, what do you... Because what... You don't know why I don't want to do a personal trainer's version of giving me a fucking diet. You know. don't know what that would trigger for me. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm luckily in a situation now where I would happily have taken 10 minutes out to explain my yeah, my history with eating and yeah. why I, w- I won't ever have my what I eat controlled by uh, you know, a personal trainer for a fucking start ever oh no absolutely uh, i had i used to go to a massage therapist who was really great it was like you know sort of sports massage yeah. for back pain to help her get chronic migraines um and <sighs> this woman who was a great massage therapist was also a nutritionist mm. and she kept trying to talk to me about diet and i was like can can we not yeah i don't like this isn't good for me yeah and she just wouldn't stop yeah she wouldn't or you know she'd be massaging your back and being like oh you've got Got some dairy in your shoulder, oh, or what, fuck like all that. Yes, yeah, sorry, like, no, I did. Don't. I snuck a yogurt in there earlier, right <laughs> in my shoulder. You prick. It, most, it's funny the people that can't hear you when you explicitly say. And I have to. I've only had two personal trainers, but to both, I was like, I can't, we can't go near eating. Really, I don't want you to look. I genuinely don't don't want any comment really on what I look like. And you mustn't. I'm never weighing myself for you, and I don't want your opinion on anything to do with food. I'm fully aware of what the nutritional value of all things are. Obsessively aware to the point where I try not to think about it too much. Yeah. I know when to eat what if I want a certain body mm. I don't I just want you to make me stronger let's go yeah absolutely <laughs> and 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 the first one really desperately couldn't hear that and this and now I'm with this frankly fucking moron but he can <laughs> he can at least hear that um even oh, God. even as a meathead yeah. he can hear that so hang on so let's go back yeah very very um particular in what you ate as a kid as a teenager so I think yeah so well so I think uh yeah where we didn't quite get to entirely through my own fault um was that so i think it was probably really stressful for my mum yes that i wouldn't eat and i think like in frustration ones she really forced me to eat so it was chicken yeah that i didn't want to eat yeah and i really threw up oh, and fuck. that totally compounded my existing resistance to mm. food and i think it just kind of like in quite uh big kind of terminal way shut down my vis- like any vestigial openness mm. to trying things um i think it like really got in underneath like in whatever kind of mental gap yeah. was there it just got right in and pried up the paving stone so it became like an incredibly frightening yeah. thing for me i have such a strong memory of her getting me to eat that chicken and being really cross with me and eating it and being sick. And then I think her also being quite pissed off and Mm. then being sick. And I was like, I've done it in the fucking garden. Yeah, yeah. Like, just take the watering can to it. You know, but I I think it was really, you know, I don't at all hold it against her. And I think she was just really understandably frustrated and worried, frustrated Mm -hmm. and annoyed because she was worried about, you know, this little being who you can get into pretty deep trouble yeah. if it fails to thrive yeah. was not eating food and that I did that. And I think it just made me incredibly avoidant. Yeah. Um, and then, as is so often the case with women, you know, food did become a battleground. It became mm. a space of control. And also, I think there was that thing of, like, I've always had an insanely sweet tooth. Right. 
you know, I've ne- the one area in which I've never eaten in any kind of restricted way is like crisps, sweets, yeah, yeah, ice yeah. cream, pudding. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of which in my sugar. childhood, yeah, sugar, yeah. sugar, glorious, yeah. addictive, yeah. poisonous, wonderful, <laughs> consoling French sugar. <laughs> they total, like yeah. everyone's food frenemy, yeah. old sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so then I, th- I think there was a real sense of like that kind of, that being an immoderate yes. appetite that was right. critiqued. You know, so it was all quite fraught, so that when I was a teenager and I was quite depressed mm. and mentally ill because it was very isolated. And, you know, I guess it was one of those... Te- and, it, you know, it was something I thought a lot about when I was writing the book. And I think I sort of split my experience across the protagonist and one of the other main characters who is her sister. Mm. So her older sister very clearly has anorexia that the whole mm. family kind of fail to acknowledge. Right. Which I think is not a story we tell a lot, so we yeah. tend, understandably, and really importantly, instrumentally, we tend to talk about these stories, um, you know, they either have, like, a wonderful, transcendent outcome of recovery... Yes. ...or they have, like, the saddest and. possible end which is you know someone's succumbing to yeah and you don't that. you don't talk about people who are just in a constant state of survival surrounded by an almost constant state of denial yeah and that people who live and that's been my experience of almost all people who live with very extreme disorders eating disorders actually yeah is that you like you that like quite often the best version of recovery that a lot of people get to is that you limp through yeah. sort of being a high-functioning anorexic yeah, or yeah. you become orthorexic, so yeah. you are taking in quite a lot of nutrition, but you are still very focused on control, guilt, yeah, yeah. health, shame, health. Ostensibly, yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's not something that we talk about a lot, mm. you know, and actually we, you know, understandably really enjoy stories where like, you know, the family come together or the friends come together and everyone, yeah. you know, has a full and frank examination and there's support yeah. and there's love. But some versions of love are not equal to that story. Yes. And it's not a lack of love for the person. It's a lack of uh, actual language it's a lack of emotional language uh, sometimes it's a family or friends in a bit again it's mm. that like inability to deal with somebody else's uh problems because then you would have to examine your own absolutely uh, can i ask as well then in terms of the therapy that has been constituent at least in is that yeah a part of at least mm. recovery for you was that was that what the therapy was initially for? Was it a special type of therapy? Like, what type of therapy was, is it? So I... I found CBT very useful with eating stuff. So I felt, I started therapy maybe about five years ago, and ah. I've been in therapy for a long period, and then I check out of it for periods, and now I'm definitely in a place where, like, 
the minute I start feeling my foundations going a bit mm-hmm. crumbly and liquid, yeah. uh, the minute I feel like I might be about to enter a space of instability, yes. then I'll be like, okay, I'll check back in. Might yeah. be for a couple of sessions, might yeah. be for a couple of months. Um, you know, and, and definitely for me, um, although it's a massively emotionally beneficial, I try and invest the idea of going to therapy with the least emotion possible. Right. So, you know, while I absolutely value the skill mm-hmm. of my therapist and, you know, he has literally saved my life, changed my life. Yeah. In terms of the emotion I imply to the idea of going back to therapy, I absolutely, it's like calling a plumber. Yeah. It is a skill I don't well, so have. You fucking should see it. It is. It's a skilled practitioner who can yeah. help, who, you know, can come in and fix things in a way yeah, that I'm not it. trained to do alone. You know, and in fix many the ways... the U-bends in the old brain. Absolutely. It? it fucking is that functional. What's perfect attitude towards it? You know, and it's so frequently is that thing where you're like, oh, there's um, the shite pipes and the drinking water have got a bit crossed over. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I need yes. someone to come and re-separate oh, the shite so pipe true. and the drinking water. It's so true. I just fucking wish there was more of it available affordably for everyone. No, okay. and again, like I would definitely yeah. feel like it's instrumental to pause and say, like I am very like yeah, yeah. part. Of it, I've I've been able to financially afford it. I mm-hmm. didn't, you know. It's a massive thing. I am incredibly privileged and incredibly yeah. fortunate. I didn't. Same. have to like come to a crisis point no um well, you oh, know well, i mean i have like... historically but also i think it's such a huge mental adjustment usually when you're not in a place to be able to be doing that to go well you know i i've have, I have therapy at times where on paper i can't afford it if i'm worried about making my rent should i be fucking having therapy and then i looked at it and go well you're not going to make your rent unless you get the help in your head like you're not that's everything will go to shit if you have a nervous breakdown. Yeah, And you're absolutely. self-employed, so there's no safety net. So you fucking invest. And I, you, mean, I would rather, you know... Uh, I'm just saying it's not been a very easy financial decision, but fuck me the privilege to be able to make the decision at all. We're both really lucky. No, the same thing. I mean, I definitely had to, like, squeeze the pennies until yeah. they screamed yeah. to make it work. <laughs> That's a lovely image. But, but mm. I've always... You know, because I have had mental health, health crises... In the past, in the glory days of the late 20th century, where, yeah. like, you had a crisis, you know, in a community psychiatric nurse yes. came round yeah. every day and visited you for, like, months at a time and you got access to a hospital psychology, yeah. all the things that you don't get now. Now I'm in a position that, like, even though it will test me financially sometimes to the extreme, I can make it work and I can go and see someone this week. Yes, amazing. Say scrum diddly umptious. Oh, no. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Flat earthers gather huge momentum and um, arrange for a giant iron to come and scrunch loads of earth down. <laughs> so there'll be no more mountains or hills or even mounds. And everywhere will be flat and loads of people and animals will die. And then maybe we'll be able to see a bit further into the distance. Um, but obviously try and remember how awful it is because of all the death. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, and they've agreed uh, to not do it. 
this awful thing, but only if you, and weird it does have to be you, uh, agree to do a heptathlon, but without any <laughs> gaps between the sports and dressed the whole time in chains like the ghost of Christmas past. It sounds impossible, but you do it. Yeah, uh, yeah amazing. I, I, so I didn't you, know I could. Yeah, so um, you've gone, your, your reward is like the adulation of all, all people and animals for all time before having saved um, all um, living kind on Earth. That sounds um, really stressful. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, but, you know, what I'm saying is you've gone down in history for something absolutely extraordinary on top of all the work you've already achieved and the constantly well achieving as well and, as this, and your oh was it yummy nom nom cheeky nom nom crunchy nom nom crunchy nom nom oh yeah I mean obviously the, the um the, the the saving of the um landscape of the earth and the cheeky nom nom crunchy nom nom crunchy nom nom um but also uh in the moment your reward is the feast of your dreams so basically this is the last what would your last meal be but in a joyous scenario instead uh, where you've got that and I, I've only chosen the type of physical exertion because I think there's a particular I just mean what if you were really really hungry and nothing had to be possible I would like to know what you would eat drink if there's a who with and where then who with and where Oh, and God. nothing has to be ethical healthy or even physically possible including the people and the where Oh, God. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> first of all, I think it's going to be, like, I have... I feel, basically feel like I'm in a really unhealthy, like, stalker relationship with Domino's. Oh, nice. Yes. So me, me and it, I feel like we, we have, like, a really dysfunctional bunny-boiling nice. relationship where I love... A filthy Domino's. Oh, so, like, yeah. I make, if I do say so myself, mm. I make really good pizza myself. Great. There's lots of great pizza restaurants in Glasgow that make, you know, sourdough pizza yeah. or, like, beautiful, authentic mm-hmm. Italian pizza. But sometimes I don't want that. What I want a is a whacking great yeah. Filthy, really yes. dominoes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the, again, there's all that. There's always that hard thing of going like, I just want a pizza, and they're like financially that's a shit move get two pizzas oh, or yeah, get yeah, like yeah, a yeah. pizza and like all these sides yeah um, oh, and i God. feel like when i'm trying to stay away from domino's domino's is like constantly sending me emails and <laughs> they texts are. being like they're really um, they're a really good you? friend you're not seeing pizza Hut, are you? and i'm like no <laughs> just that one time because <laughs> they had an amazing lunchtime deal and I was <laughs> but basically mm. like a dirty great Domino's, mm. and then followed by a dessert buffet. Oh yes, With all like all I spat small, all over your yeah, table. Yeah, yeah, well, you're like quite right. Again, yes. again, you know, it, it triggered all all the bits on the track. Mm. Yeah. Is everyone's, so, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> whoa. So we were talking about this the other day, based on a conversation I'd already had with another friend about how awful it is when, like, occasionally, as a result of what you do, you get to go to something really fancy. Yes. Where there's shit loads of like gorgeous free food and drink yes. and how depressing it is but like both ideolo- ideologically from the mm. people that you're who are there that are going like oh no i couldn't possibly well, you can see it's about thinness yeah and about not again that yeah, like yeah, female yeah. thing of like not being seen to mm. like consume greedily and vulgarly yeah, yeah, yeah. and messily where they're like what a dessert buffet no thank you yeah um or, or also just that like i am such a scammer as yeah. soon as there's like any kind of free food or drink, I'm so in, in, in. happy when I'm with other people that are like, I'm going to eat all of this now. Yeah. And I've started putting stuff in my yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, so like I feel very, very 
preposterous mechanism a long time ago ended up at the Tono Prize. And there was, like, this Alice in Wonderland, Willy Wonka dessert buffet of, like, honestly, like, I was trembling oh, with laughs. Trembling is that what you're going to have as, as your answer to the question? The, the same one that was at the Turner. Yeah, that right. that one that like fuck you know that again like Willy sort of as as we began. So shall we end? Mm. Um, of that thing of going like, what a different person I am now. Yeah, that, like a decade and a bit ago, when all the other people were like, oh no, I couldn't possibly. I was like, no, me. Me either. Like, like now I would feel entirely comfortable going, to like I'm take a in. flying header. I'm going in. Like totally. Yeah. We're like face like the guy in Mousetrap, yes. the little diving man. Yeah. I would have like found a high place. Yeah. Into that, but like I I want that dessert buffet. Yes. Again, I want me now to be able to be like, right, fine, you make your choices. This isn't a space of judgment, but fucking watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and then where are you having this? And who with, if there is anyone? Or oh, aware? you know, I really can't be dicked with any of that. Like, I'd like Virginia Woolf and Sylvia. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, fuck that shit, mates. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, just my mates, the people that I'm most like going out for dinner with and cooking food for, and I love going to their houses. Like, Lovely. just those people with whom it's fun and relaxed. Like, we, you know, just yeah. like yesterday. Like, oh just, God, it was so gorgeous. Just mates feeling really relaxed and drinking like slightly too much, enough to feel yeah, a bit silly yeah. and giddy, not enough to have a hangover. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, just really relaxed enjoyment with like people who I already like, who if I'm on my uh, metal and I can be yeah. funny and interesting and smart, great. And if I'm not also great, Doesn't fine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Doesn't yeah, matter, yeah. somebody else will take over. Absolutely. Oh, perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, God, I love Rose so much. You have to get her book. It was released yesterday. It's called This Is Yesterday. She's called Rose Ruane. She's not on social media, but you have to get that book. Uh, You'll know from all the phrases that Rose coined just in this hoovering episode that she's pretty nifty with words. My favourites included sandal palette, penis portions, and spicy B.O. is the purest form of (laughs) self-love. Come and see Hoovering Live in Thirsk at the Podcast Social Club on the 23rd of November in the afternoon. Be my patron if you want exclusive mini episodes, including all the stuff that didn't make it into this particular episode. Go to patreon.com forward slash the Hoovering Pod. Come and see Hench on tour. Follow us on social media at the Hoovering Pod. I am at Jessica Fosterkey. All my tour dates, all the live dates and uh, ways of emailing me rather than just a little tweet are all on my website, Jessica Fosterkey. Com. Huge thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.